What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Brett Amory. He is a studio mate of one of my previous guests, Daryl Pierce, and he was um, kind enough to, to sit down for a Skype interview from his studio in Oakland um, and do an interview. I've been a fan of his work for, for a couple years since I caught, I caught notice of it. Um, he just got back from a show in London, which it, he self-describes as his best show to date. So we sit down and talk to him about that and a bunch of other things. Um, real quick, before I get into all of what um, the show has to offer, uh, I want to start this show off a little bit differently after I get into everything. It's nice to get some feedback from the show and get people's opinions on what they think is uh, going on or if, if they disagree with something I'm talking about or one of the guests is talking about or agree, either one is, is interesting. I had an opportunity to have a Twitter discussion with my buddy Kirk is Cool, and I took the time to transcribe it and have the computer text edit speech option read it for us so I don't have any... Uh, any biases in the tone of voice that it's read in or any of that sort of thing. And it's kind of funny to hear computer talk anyway. So real quick, uh, like I said, Brett was kind enough to sit down for an interview via Skype. He is the fourth Skyper and Mr. Mike Giant is going to be interviewed on Wednesday. Also going to, um, be another Skype interview, but Brett sits down and talks to us about London, Lazaridis gallery, Paris, Virginia beach, Academy of Arts, San Francisco, Colorado, Mammoth Mountain, snowboarding, motion pictures, video art, large portraits, think space, wheat pasting, anthropomorphism, residual energy, dilapidation, Oakland and San Francisco, environmental behavior, Daryl Pierce, bullets and books, glamorizing the downtrodden and creativity, and artist vodka bottles. So I'm going to um, jump right into this uh, transcribed Twitter thing. And like I said, if you ever have any questions or, or comments or anything, you send them to info at mikemaxwellart.com and I'll make sure to get back to you. And you're always free to send um, questions to the guests. Make sure you go check out the blog where there is a link to the PayPal account. If you like what you're getting from the show here and you want to donate to make the show a little bit better, um, I'm hoping to start getting some PayPal loot in so that we could get a new mic and and a new soundboard and and get this a little more um professional sounding of course the show is always free so you can you could download it from itunes for free and it'll always stay free but um of course it'd be nice to to get a little cake on the side um if you do donate i have some t-shirts and stickers being printed up that uh will be available to you and if you decide to to go big and donate a, a nice lump sum you know, you might get some uh, a screen print, a uh, uh, letterpress print, which I got a new one coming up here pretty soon. Maybe a drawing or even a painting. So go make sure you check out MikeMaxwellArt.com so you can click on the blog and, and do that thing. So I'm going to jump right into the to the letter here and then we'll get right into to Brett's interview. Kirk is cool. Love the art talk, politics, etc. But dude, you lose me on the mind trip hallucination shit. It's not an alternate reality. 
It's just drugs fucking with you. Mike Maxwell. Art. I always mention it could be that. But the reality is that it's our minds that are doing the work, not the ingested substance. Have you experienced a serious hallucination before? Kirk is cool. Despite popular belief, I have actually never been drunk, high or anything. So I'm kinda biased, but being atheist, I'm still open to the idea that we're all energy. I just don't believe that's what you're seeing on drug trips. Mike Maxwell. Art. Then with all due respect, you have no fucking idea. It's one of those things where if you haven't tried it, you have no frame of reference to even begin to formulate a logical opinion. It's like knowing what it's like to be a parent. Unless you have children, it's impossible. It's like knowing what it's like to ride a skateboard when you have never even seen one. Kirk is cool. That's funny because I just blogged about kids and parenting and I don't have kids. I hear what you're saying, but I still think you're all just tripping. Literally. From an outside perspective, it sounds like a dream you're aware of. Then you have to figure out what the fuck dreams are. Mike Maxwell. Art. That's like saying you know what it's like to skydive just because you have flown in a plane. Not the same thing. Dreams are a hallucinatory experience that we go through every night. You're on the right track with the dream state. To me hallucinogens are like therapy. And extreme meditation and intense self-reflection. Which is the intended purpose for our dreams as well. A reset button to delete all the bullshit built up on the hard drive. Emptying the cache. Clearing the history. Kirk is cool. I get how you believe what you do. I'm sure it's intense. I just don't buy that you're literally seeing your real self or actually somewhere else. I like the idea that dreams are your brain randomly putting together residual thoughts and stuff of nobody to control it. Mike Maxwell. Art. Go eat mushrooms and then give me your opinion. If you say the same thing, then I will attach some validity to it. Everything is your brain. Kirk is cool. I hear ya. But I'm still allowed to have an opinion. The whole, you can't say shit unless you did it thing always bugged me. Mike Maxwell. Art. It's true. If one has never experienced a kickflip down a set of stairs, can they have a true perspective on what it's like? I'm for free speech. You can say the earth is flat too, but it doesn't mean I have to validate your opinion. You're free to have one. I'm just being honest with you. Are you morally against trying them? Kirk is cool. I smell what you're stepping in, even though I didn't step in it. Mike Maxwell. Art. If you had no sense of smell, you would have never known. Kirk is cool. I guess. Being drug free is just sort of become who I am. I really don't have any strong reason why. It just never appealed to me. Even though everyone around me for a long time was doing drugs. If I did it, I feel like I'd be going against who I am. Mike Maxwell. Art. Mushrooms. Weed. LSD. And Salvia will show you that you're not who you think you are. Show you another side of yourself you were unaware of. And some people find that to be utterly frightening so they leave it alone. Kirk is cool. Are you sure though? 
Or is it just what you think? A way to make sense of some wacko shape your brain is creating? I'm not scared of stuff I don't fully believe in. Mike Maxwell. Art. I'm not sure of anything. It's just my opinion based on my experiences. Let's go to San Francisco and eat mushrooms. Smoke salvia. DMT. Weed. And get in the sensory deprivation tank. Kirk is cool. Haha <laughs> no way dude. Thanks for the invite. Maybe lunch or something. Mike Maxwell. Art. Would you mind if I posted this discussion online? I could make you anonymous and I would fix the Twitter shorthand. Yay or nay? Kirk is cool. Fuck it. Sure. Are you gonna title it, check out this close-minded jackass? Mike Maxwell. Art. No. Of course not. I appreciate you being open about your opinion. I like when people don't agree with me all the time. Kirk is cool. It's just who I am. I'm a really open person. I'm into paranormal, UFOs, crazy quantum physics and all that. I guess I'm just not really spiritual or really gone down that path. I saw a ghost as a kid and it really fucks with my non-religiousness. Here's another fun fact about me you're gonna love. I also have no tattoos. Been in the culture, been around tattoo people and still. Hey where's it gonna be posted? Mike Maxwell. Art. On the Live Free Podcast. So with all that said, if you agree or disagree with any of those things or have an opinion about any of the other topics discussed on the show, feel free to get in touch. You can um, Twitter me. My Twitter is Mike Maxwell Art at Twitter. Or you can go to my website, MikeMaxwellArt.com. You can click on the blog and get all the links over there. You can also email me at info at MikeMaxwellArt.com. So, ladies and gentlemen... Without further ado, Mr. Brett Amory. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much for doing the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for um, having me on it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you just uh, you just got back from London, right? Yeah. Not too long ago. How, how was that experience? Uh, it was great. Great. Uh, did a show at Lazaridis. Outsiders Gallery, and um, it was a really probably one of the best shows I've ever done. Nice. Was uh, was that the first time you've been to the UK? Yeah. What uh, what was the experience like culturally for you, like going around the town and stuff? Besides the besides the show, London was a lot like America. I thought, I thought or uh-huh. my, it reminded me a lot of San Francisco. The people were really nice. And then we went to Paris, and Paris was was uh, was awesome. It was a lot different than, than London. Yeah. What uh, what, kind, what by in what ways? Uh, you know, the, the architecture is different, and just how close everything is, and how old everything is. There's a language barrier there, which was kind of challenging. Yeah, for sure. Where um, uh, you kind of sound like you have a little bit of an accent. Where did you grow up at? In Virginia. In Virginia, yeah. You, yeah. There's a little bit of that draw, still yeah, left. Yeah, got a little, got a little twang. <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, do you know um, Paul Urich? No. You, you, kind of, was, you guys kind of sound alike. 
I think I think he's from Louisiana, maybe. No, North Carolina. One of the oh, Carolinas okay. originally. Yeah, I so, lived out uh, there for a little while too. So you grew up in Virginia? Yeah, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake area. Uh huh. That's uh one of the, the my tattoo artist uh, grew up out that way too as well. Um, cool. He just did he a couple shows ago. He he was he just did a show. Um, cool. Did you go to art school? I went to the Academy of Arts, San Francisco. Oh, okay, so so did you you leave Virginia and you you've been in the Bay Area since then? Well, I was in Colorado for a couple of years snowboarding. Colorado, I uh, moved out to San Francisco to go to school in '96. Where in Colorado did you stay at? Lived in Leadville for a year. Worked at Copper Mountain. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Steamboat for a year. Nice. I did a couple winters at uh, Mammoth Mountain. Awesome. Actually, yeah. I got to <clears throat> my. I didn't even know how to snowboard the first season that I that I moved there. I had never done any like ski or snowboard. You know, I'm Southern California, like I'm on the beach and on the the concrete most of the time. But so I got, you know, super lucky that I got such an amazing mountain, a free pass, a good job, and you know, like a, a pretty interesting experience. Right, you know, it's pretty right out of high school. I guess I went and did my first my first winter season there, but. I couldn't do more than a couple months, though, man. It's too harsh. Yeah, yeah. yeah I hear good things about me. I've never been up there. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. So do you know, before you get to San Francisco, that, that you're you're taking a creative pathway, like, to do art? Were you making um, stuff already? I didn't really get into art until I was about 24. I, uh, I moved out here to go to school for motion pictures and film. Uh-huh. Like, I always had a camera, and I would shoot my friends skateboarding, snowboarding, and uh, it was just one of those things, I didn't really have any kind of direction, didn't really know what to do, so I came out here to go to school for for film, and uh, just kind of fell into the art, drawing and painting. I was hanging out with some guys that were illustrators and painters, and uh, skateboarding with them and play music with them and then kind of just fell into it started drawing and then after a couple years of drawing i started painting got hooked on it yeah i was going for motion pictures and then animation and illustration and fine art painting well i know um you use a lot of you you do a lot of photography reference for the work that you do so obviously you're still you're still (coughs) working um in the film medium right yeah, I'd never consider myself a, a photographer, uh-huh. but it's something that it's always been a part of my process. And I, I always carry a camera with me and shoot, you know, stuff that catches my eye or I think that's the uh, body work I'm, I'm doing. But Do all, you... all my work starts with photography and then goes into Photoshop and do montages, you know, put images together and then start painting from that. Are you are you still doing um, motion film stuff? Are you are you recording things? A little bit. I, I was gonna do a whole series of uh, waiting videos, and I started doing these time lapses of like different spots where people would sit and wait for uh, like public transit or the toll booth or airport lines, and then film those for twenty four hours. 
get like a 24 hour time lapse. Uh -huh. I started doing a few of them and then it kind of fell by the wayside the busier I got. Yeah. So that's kind of something that's on the back burner. I'm going to hopefully yeah. get to. Are you are you doing work with that? Was the idea more to be like a, a conceptual art piece as film, or is it? Do you have uh, like incentives to do like more traditional like like movies or documentaries or, or any or you know feature films or that sort of thing? Was that was that a, a, a goal of yours? No, uh, the waiting video stuff was was pretty much just a conceptual video piece that would go with. The paintings, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of want to get more into the um, installation and the painting. You know, like so, the shows are—it's not just painting, it's not just installation, but it's an environment that you walk into. Right. And, and the video stuff would kind of play right into it. Yeah, for sure. You um, you did a, a series of large portraits recently. What inspired you to just? I I I've seen. This, I, I don't think I've seen your work in person yet, but I've you know I've seen a lot of stuff online or whatever, and I've got a reference for about the size that you work. And it seems like these were like three times larger than the normal, maybe more than that. What uh, did you did, what sparked that interest to just go huge? I've been painting figures on gallery walls, like when I do when I do a show, like I, I paint a figure on the wall. Yeah. I did one at Think Space for my solo I had back in June, like a life-size figure. Mm -hmm. And doing it was, you know, I just I really enjoyed it. It was a way for me to kind of break free of uh, my normal studio painting. So when I got back to San Francisco, I have a bunch of friends that go out and wheat pace. I've been wanting to do it for a while, so. When I got back from uh, LA, I just uh, did five 10 foot figures on butcher paper just to go put them up. Uh -huh. uh, I wanted to put up something that would um, catch people's attention. How'd, uh, how'd that process go? It was fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, it was hard putting them up. You know, it was the first time ever going out. Yeah, butcher paper's kind of sick, right? For pasting? Yeah, and then, paint. you know, it's, it's thick and then it's. Uh, when you have a bunch of oil paint on top of it, it makes it heavier. Uh -huh. So it was, a, it was a pain in the ass getting them up. But it was, it was fun. Nice. So that kind of sparked the whole larger than life portraits. And then I started doing them on canvas and I've shown them a few times. But just the idea of doing these larger than life figures and then putting them in the space is kind of why I started doing them. I just think uh, when you stand in front of them, it kind of brings you. Put you like in this state of presence. Yeah, and I think and, and, <clears throat> I think for me as a viewer, I I think there's an interesting contrast between the figurative work that shows up in the context of um, like a city block or a city corner where it's more the buildings tend to um, shine through a little more. It seems like they take the spotlight a little bit over the the small figures just in terms of. Uh, you know, point of reference or, you know, the, the depth of the, of the piece. And I think that having those humongous figures in context with the, with the little tiny ones in comparison to the buildings is, a, is an interesting sort of um, dichotomy, maybe.
Um, I want to talk about the, the buildings since I mentioned it um, that you use in the work. I think the stuff that I've recognized in the past has been mostly the, the building pieces, um, the, the architectural things that you, that you put together, which I mm -hmm. mentioned you, you referenced from photographs that you take and things. Do you ever feel like, um, like these buildings become another type of figurative work besides just a straight portraiture? Do you ever like? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, do they ever take on like human-like qualities to you? Well, I think the places I choose to paint have um, they carry a certain residual energy, so they have a certain emotion. And when I when I pick the the buildings, uh, I, I look for a certain feeling, and then I look for the same feeling in the people I uh, pair the building up with. So a lot, a lot of the times, the paintings. The architecture might be in San Francisco, and the person might be somewhere else. But I'll uh, put them together in Photoshop based on feelings. You know, if the place has the same feeling as a person. Yeah. But I'll always start with the, the place first, and I look for a certain. Yeah, you know, I, I look for places that carry certain feelings. So and yeah, I, I think it's something that uh, you know, like really old buildings have a certain character, I guess they have a certain like residual energy that stays with them even after the people are gone. Do you feel like you, there's certain things that you relate to on, on some like strange level? I think it's a lot, I, the places I usually paint are, are usually pretty, pretty old. I think, I think I relate to it because it's, it's what, it's kind of what the East Coast looks like, where I'm from. I generally don't like to paint new architecture. You know, or, or like modern architecture. Right. It's usually stuff that's been abandoned or you know not taken care of or falling apart and kind of ephemeral quality to it. Yeah, that was one of the things about the UK and London that really uh, surprised me or you know that I, I found a lot of um, interesting was how old all the architecture was because I mean I, I'm born and raised in southern in San Diego which is basically almost all brand new architecture. Even, you right. know, even for me to go up to San Francisco, like things in San Francisco look old and I could sense that historic value that I don't really get around here very much. It's all pretty cookie cutter and, you know, strip yeah. mall type of shit. But that's interesting. But then that, that makes sense for me because, um, you know, I reference, I do a ton of portraiture and I, I don't do photography. So I reference turn of the century old photographs. And it's sort of the same thing for me. Like, I could look through pages and pages and pages of pictures, and one will have some particular energy or something in their their facial structure or their something their their face is saying, well, I'll relate to. And I want to express that because it, it sort of expresses my own story in, in, to a certain extent. Like, I find something that that I relate to and, and is a reciprocal type of energy exchange like you're talking about your studios in oakland and i would assume you you photograph a lot of the the architecture out there is that yeah 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 uh i've been out here about a year and a half i did a show in october in san francisco san julie gallery and it's called oakland anticipations mm -hmm. and it was all pretty much all oakland based it was all based in oakland so it, takes, a... it usually takes me about a six months to a year to start painting the, uh, the environment that I'm living in. That's about how long it takes for it to start kind of growing on me. You know, uh, up until two years ago, I was in San Francisco for 
13 years, so all, all my work is pretty much SF-based. You know, and like I've been over here for two years now, and now all the work is starting to become Oakland-based. Do you do you notice? Obviously, that 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 would imply to me that the environment is creating an artistic shift slightly, just in in context or uh, or the the context matter. Does uh, do you feel like the environment changes your your personal behaviors too, or sort of your like personal mind states? Yeah, uh, Oakland is definitely more. It's calmer out here. You know, it's quieter, slower. And I think since I've been out here, I've, I've kind of gotten calmer. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my life's gotten a little bit slower. You know, I don't I don't leave the studio as much. Like uh, while I was living in San Francisco, I was living downtown and. You know, I'd paint for two hours and then go take a walk, and that walk would turn into a three-hour walk because I'd run, I'd run into somebody. Yeah. Uh, here, there's nowhere to walk to, you know, and if you do take a walk, you got to be super careful. Yeah, yeah. I heard uh, you guys got um, a couple bullets through the studio window, or a bullet through the studio window, right? Yeah, I had a hollow tip slug come through my uh, window a couple weeks back. It's intense, man. And it, uh, I, I had Daryl Pierce, Mr. Daryl Pierce on the show oh, cool. a while back, a couple, when he was in San Diego for the show. And, uh, he was saying, I think he said that it ended up in a, in an abstract expressionist book or something. Is, is there a truth yeah. to that, man? Yeah, yeah. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, that's to the abstract expressionist. At least, or it's hilarious now. I don't think it probably be, it's not very hilarious as a as a general story, but uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty sketchy. It's sketchy. Yeah. Do you find trouble a lot, or does trouble find you? Not really. I'm pretty no. uh, I'm pretty calm. I mean, I don't leave my studio too much. Because I I say that because you know your your first description of Oakland, I I wouldn't have guessed that it would jump to a bullet came through my window. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just from, I, I don't just think from it happens perception. too much. I think it's just one of those kind of, some rare kind of, you know. Just a random circumstance? Random circumstance, yeah. yeah. Um, but the area I live in is kind of, there's a lot of activity. Uh, I live like right near the project, so a lot of stuff happens. Do you think, do you ever feel like um, painting some of these these old architecture, like some of these rundown places, we sort of, as artists, since I'm, I'm sort of attracted to some of those same things, like beat up old, something that looks like it's been through, has some history to it. Do you think we sort of romanticize those things? I think I see it in, in authors a lot, like especially um, like when we're talking about like areas that are real hard to live in. Like I, you see it in hip hop, like it, when people are talking about their environments in hip hop and it ends up becoming like, a more interesting like place you kind of want to go to even though you know it's kind of dangerous like it, it glor glorifies it makes it sound like it's something bad and then we're turning it into something good but that sort of romanticism that happens with art and when we're talking about something bad do you do, do have you noticed that in, in your work at all maybe subconsciously i've always been attracted to old stuff like when i was like 10 to 12 years old, I was collecting antiques and you know, anything that was old, I, I would buy. And I'd go to yard sales in the, on Saturday mornings and look for old silverware and sewing machines and shit, you know. 
it was like something that's always been of interest to me. So I think the stuff that I'm putting in my paintings, just kind of that, you know, whole interest in old stuff is kind of carrying over in the work. And it might be, you know, romanticizing the, uh, the past or, like you said, uh, run down places or... That's what I mean, like, like how the way art can can make something that doesn't that it doesn't look so good in reality look a li in, it can make it be looked at from a different standpoint or in a different point of view, different light. Yeah, yeah. It seems like something that happens in art a lot, and you know, this is sort of just off the top of my head a little bit. Who knows if people do that or not? But you know, it's a you know, creativity is such a strange thing. It's like sometimes it's it's so it's one of the it's it's so subconscious that we we have no idea sometimes where the ideas come from or it's so ethereal like it's some sort of outside force that we just pick up on and and work into our daily lives or whatever. But yeah, I, think... I, I I generally paint stuff that I see every day, like stuff that's in my neighborhood or it's usually stuff that I I, I see when I'm taking walks or I'm um, driving to the store. What kind of camera do you use when you're out there shooting stuff? I just have like a little uh, snap and shoot, little Sony snap and shoot, nothing, nothing special. Yeah, because you just need the the reference shapes and those sorts of things, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good enough to pick up detail figures, but uh, I don't really need more more than that. So, is Daryl working today? You guys share a studio, right? I want to give Daryl a shout. I know we just mentioned him a little while ago, but. He and he, I had, he's not here today. Um, I think he's taking a little break. He had yeah, a he was busting his ass there for a while. Yeah, I think he's taking like a week off or something. What's up with you? What do you got coming up in the future? He's doing a painting for vodka right now. For vodka? And yeah, they're doing some campaign with uh, some new lineup, new lineup with artists, and then. Uh, Is that the same one that um, the Phil Frost and Maya Hewitt did? I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. There was um there was a series of commercials that came out. God, it must be like five or six years now. That it was um it was Phil Frost, Maya Hewick, I think a couple other of the the Barnstormer cats maybe. Yeah. I I can't remember who the other ones were. They did a series where they showed them painting, and then it had like a couple of their graphics on the bottle, and they did like some some cool like. Uh, like film process, like animation things with it. It was oh, pretty cool. rad. I, I remember when that, I, I forget which company it was, but yeah, it was a cool project. And it was like, cause you know, sometimes stuff like that is like, it, like it's, it makes people cringe sometimes with, with yeah. commercial stuff like that. But it was one of the, like for me, it was one of those projects that seemed like a cool ass thing. Now, I don't know what it was like on the other end for the artist dealing with yeah, yeah. the corporation, but. You know, I I was just talking about that this morning. Do you do much um, commercial work? Nah, none. This is like the second time that a company like this has, has approached me. Yeah. And um, they're kind of giving me free reign to do what I want to do. Which is the best way to go about it, right? Yeah. So or the only they've way. Really, they've been really cool so far. So I got that and. I'm kind of I'm kind of taking a step back this year. Talking about doing a solo at Anna Domini, uh -huh. San, San Jose, yeah. in the in the fall. Do a couple group shows with Think Space, and maybe a group show with Lazaridis at the end of the year. And you you That's, had a real busy year this last year, right? Yeah, it was crazy, man. It was 
like three solos and I don't even know how many group shows I did. Yeah. It's tough, right, when you have to be cranking out that much work all the time? Yeah, you know, like I I I I I did way too much last year. Do you feel like Sometimes it turns into like you're creating art for shows as opposed to creating it for like that purity or that that uh, that initial purpose. Like, yeah, I mean that definitely that definitely uh, comes into play. So, uh, but I always try to step back and every time I do a show, especially like a, a solo, I try to focus on uh, evolving the work somehow or some way. You know, it's, it's all part of the same series, but there's sub-series within the series. Yeah. So I'm always trying to advance it somehow, either conceptually or aesthetically. You know, so I don't, I don't, I'm not producing the same painting over and over and over. Um, right. But yeah, you're right. It gets hard. You know, you, you've got you got to you got to crank out this work, and uh, it's, it's hard to focus. I have a, a tendency to feel like sometimes I turn into a show artist where I'm just like constantly working towards show after show after show and I'm not really like building up bodies of work per se or like yeah. really I'm, I'm making as pure work as I know how but you know sometimes it feels like I'm making a product you know yeah. because as a full-time artist we got to pay our bills and shit so we have to sell stuff when you start getting into that mode it's like oh next show coming up let's make these 15 pieces that I could sell. It, yeah. it starts to turn into like a product thing and I this past summer I gave myself a good two months to do all big street mural free works just out in the public that had nothing awesome. to do with making money or or creating a, a business or any of that it was it was just pure like freedom and fun and and get out there and paint some big stuff a part of that was to avoid or to sort of jump back from that making this fucking product yeah, that, that is one reason why I started those big portraits, you know, because doing the smaller paintings is painful, you know, like, the paintings are fun about, you know, three quarters of the way into it, that's when they start to loosen up and stop looking at the reference and all the intuitive abstract marks start to happen. Right. But the big, the, the, the big portraits, they're fun all the way through, you know, it's just, like, they're expressive, I use big brushes, you know start with house paint and just get, you know, there's loose and fun. And that's kind of how I want to be painting, but I can't really, I can't paint that way yet with the smaller ones. Yeah. You know, I got to be really careful and precise and until the end, and then that fun looseness starts to happen. And it seems sometimes when, when we get those new things like that, it, it's hard to shift out of what we've been doing, like that comfort and, you know, because obviously if we're making something it gives us some sort of reward, so we want to continue to receive that. It's sometimes hard to make that jump. Like, I find myself with a, I have a few different techniques of things that I like to do that if, if one becomes tiresome, I could sort of drift over into another little facet, sort of run with that for a while, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always uh, just trying to keep it fresh, right? It's trying to yeah, keep... Yeah, absolutely. I, I assume you, you're, you're in the studio all the time. You work how many hours do you think you work a week? It's hard to say because, you know, I'll paint and then I'll do some press stuff, answer emails, and I'll paint. To me, that's but, all uh, the, That's all part of the work. <laughs> so, okay, so probably, you know, 60 to 80 hours. Yeah. You know, it's, it's constant. 
and if I want to get up and go to, to when I go to sleep, it's, it's all at work. I don't have a TV in here, so I don't watch TV, so it's pretty much constant working. Yeah, nice. That's um, I sort of I started doing this podcast as another sort of thing because I had just got done. As soon as I started, I just got done with like a set of work that was like two shows in a row or something, and was uh, just wanting to do something a little bit different. And you know, as, as Daryl's your studio mate, but as as artists, we have a lot of time where we're just spending by ourselves, working, concentrating, or or not concentrating. However, you want to look at the creative process. But um, it's been real good to be able to have you know actual conversations with people because we we have a tendency to lock ourselves up and get too involved in the work because i'm like you i'm a i'm an 80 hour a week guy i work from my home studio so i'm i paint all day then my girl comes home from work and i pretty much paint and draw all night until it's time for bed you know so it's like work and life are the same thing yeah so yeah that's good so you're going to take some time and 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 not be so focused on getting some shows Right, one right after the other. Yeah, I'm gonna take a step back and just kind of focus on bigger shows and probably art fairs. I'm not gonna stop painting. Like I, I just built yesterday, I built ten panels. I'm gonna start probably ten, ten or so paintings and keep that going. But just spend more time on the work and kind of focus on the uh, the evolution of the work. Right. That's. I need to get outside and do some woodworking today. It's, it's so yeah. nice out here in San Diego. I've been doing just one panel, then painting it, then building one panel, then painting it. I yeah, gotta, yeah. I gotta bang I out. I did that for a while. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's uh, hard to. Uh, it's hard to like. Uh, yeah, I used to do that. Like build one panel and I finished the painting, and then I built one panel. But then I came over here and I have uh, three times three times the space I have in San Francisco, and I can work on ten paintings at once. You know. Yeah. See, my house is the the size of a house that would be in San Francisco, if not smaller. So I, I have those same constraints. Yeah. Yeah. I just got a little bit of yard that I could. I have a little wood shop outside, so it's like I can awesome. build stuff. So it's good. Uh, I had a studio right down on the on the beach, right on the cove in La Jolla. Have you ever been to San Diego? Yeah, I was just down there uh, about a month ago. Or no, I had a show at Think Space and. I have some buddies I grew up with that live in San Diego, so I went down there for a few days. You enjoy three yourself? Ago. What's that? You enjoy yourself? What'd you do while you were Yeah, San, San Diego's mellow. It's uh, real chill. I like it. I just relax. I didn't do anything. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, um, do you want to uh, plug some of your stuff? Uh, you got your, your Facebooks and your Twitters and your websites and things? Yeah, uh, com is my website. Was it Brad Avery Face? I don't know what the Facebook thing is. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Yeah, just my name. Well, I do. I'll Facebook. do a. Um, I do a blog for each guest, so okay. I'll go through and uh, put some links to your works and some videos and so whatever you know we talked about. I'll put some stuff up there so that people could see everything and find and find some of those links too. Um, cool. Is your show your show is still up right now, right? Uh, I think so. I have a. Uh, yeah, I have a show at Lazaridis and then one at uh, ThinkSpace. You got a blog too, right? Can everyone find that it's, from your website? It's all on my website, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll just send everybody over there and then uh, they can find uh, find all your stuff. Uh, I just want to thank you for, letting, for having me on here. And, yeah. Uh, 
Of course. It's good to meet you. Yeah, I know we, uh, this is, <laughs> we've never actually, we should probably preface that, we're on Skype and we're not here in person. And we, this is actually the first time we've met. We've, uh, virtually, we've talked via the interwebs a couple times, maybe. But, uh, we still haven't met in person, so we'll have to do that. Typically, right here, I would, uh, shake your hand and, and say, uh, thank you very much for doing the show, but we could do, like, internet dap. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, brother, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, Mike. Thanks, man. All right, have a good day. To answer the question.